our feature film, Selfless, uh, is actually currently available to watch for free on Comcast Stream Picks uh, through June. That's Arnold Panda. And it's a feature-length film about an, um, about an architect whose identity is stolen. He's one half of the creative team that is the Panda Brothers. Um, and it really is a kind of a... Uh, a, a cautionary tale of hubris about a, a sort of self-centered architect who, um, who's who got everything going for him, and he basically pisses off the wrong guy, who turns out to be an identity thief, and uh, and, and really slowly, uh, essentially takes apart our, our protagonist's life, you know, piece by piece, uh, to the point where he's really sort of left with nothing and no one. Um, and it really is a, a story about someone having to kind of rediscover themselves to to you know to rediscover his identity and therefore rediscover himself as a as a person you're listening to the weekly portland podcast for a complete list of episodes visit pdxpod.com or find us on itunes or your favorite podcast app remember to like share and subscribe now hopefully this episode isn't completely awful i hate doing intros for crap shows Thank you for that introduction, I think, and welcome to the show. Today's special guests are the Panda Brothers, Jakob and Arnold. I'm Gregory Day. Our first book hit the stands in 1986, Grendel Devil's Legacy, written and created by Matt Wagner. Over time, we've created many original works, including Secret Broadcast, Exquisite Corpse, Accelerate, and most recently, Girl Fiend for Dark Horse Comics, while also putting our own spin on the heroes we grew up with including the series Batman City of Light. But there's one comic that was our most ambitious original project of all. One that would take nearly a decade to complete from its original inspiration all the way through to publication. The Dissident. That's the major graphic novel project we're going to be talking about today. You know, I'm in my mid-40s, and, and you know, when you're, when you're an elderly... <laughs> like I am, it's really hard not to become a grumpy old man... And when I was going to visit the pandas at their office in northwest Portland, I got stuck behind the goddamn train. And boy, that made me grumpy. But uh, these guys were just so nice and so sweet. It just, you know, it made the whole thing worth it and I wasn't thinking about the train anymore. I did come here to talk about your new strip. It, it's the Dissident Opt Out, yes. and it's at the DissidentDaily.com. Yeah. Yep. And I've been reading this thing, and it's starting to get really juicy. Oh, cool! All right. Yeah. Yeah. We 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 had to uh, make you endure a, a fairly extensive little flashback, but you know, a little backstory. Yeah. Um, but and also just the fact that it's daily. It's this kind of very methodical uh, read. Um, and then, yeah, but we, we've been kind of pulling back the, the slingshot, as they say, in storytelling. and Dangling and so, the carrot a little bit. Just kind of dr- hopefully drawing in the readers to, to sort of 
get a sense of like, okay, where is this going and get like, where, where are we being taken? Um, but yeah, now we're starting to get into some payoff. The story is kind of sneaking up on us. And we, we basically, this story takes place in 2032 and it's an election year. Um, and so our story essentially opens with, uh, you know, kind of the, we sort of alluded to the fact that the, the election's been canceled and, you know, martial law has been instilled and sort of in this emergency state of affairs. So, um, you know, this movement is kind of against the backdrop of already, um, yeah. you know, growing draconian. Uh, sort of, yeah, this, 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 the state of the union is already in a, in a pretty dark place. So, um, you know, that, that being the case, we wanted to sort of drop the the reader right in the in the middle of this um with our character hans who's you know part of this you know resistance that's growing and it's uh, essentially connected to the idea of a of a sort of um a, a um, cloud kind of scenario we're calling it the nucleus where everybody's information is all sort of stored in in this sort of metadata mm-hmm. way so that's the it you know the idea that we're in this world that isn't too far away because it does sort of reflect a lot of what we're dealing with but it's sort of amped up in a certain direction um you know and things are moving quickly right now in their own direction uh but we wanted to and we didn't you know we were writing this actually um last spring is really when this you know this story started to really come into play um and after we did the kickstarter we we thought hey we should do a do a prequel to really um, you know, set the tone of, of the character and really make it new again. And that's what the whole right. idea was. Setting the tone, and you do that immediately with a poem by Theodore Rothke, In a Dark Time. I read this mm-hmm. poem. What did you guys take from that? Is that foreshadowing for it's, the story? Well, it's interesting. When we originally did the, um, the, the first graphic novel, which was originally published by Dark Horse under the title Triple X in the... 90s, the mid 90s, there was this uh, a cool kind of alternative press paper that came out of the uh, out of the coast or Astoria, and I think it was called the something Eagle Times or something. And their little byline was in a dark time the eye begins to see, and it was as we were writing this original book, and, I, and that that concept or this that that line just stood out to us as such an incredible kind of concept of, and, it, and it fit with our character Hans um, and his journey in that story so we really and it really deals with the concept of truth and and that sometimes you know you things have to get really bad before you can sort of see uh, the way things you know, really are yeah the way know, things are and, and maybe a own. way through it yeah so that really we you know carried that through to the to the prequel to set that to set the story in motion because really that's the dark time you know there's always a new dark time and we're kind of you know constantly confronted with you know one issue or another and I think that's what Hans is dealing with as well kind of the beginning of this new dark time that he has to kind of go through to and it's a find. reference to history without you know getting too specific it really is that we're we're in history we're part of history and we'll be judged by um you know, uh, future generations. So, you know, and the, the classic conflict of, if of, you know, if we forget our own history, you know, we're doomed to repeat it. So we're, uh, I think that that, that quote seems to allude to some of those, um, 
ideas that really relate to a story like The Dissident. And and what I thought was interesting, too, was uh, Shades of Grey. Um, The Resistance has their own problems. And Mm -hmm. you're starting to really discover that at this point in the story. And I think that's very interesting. I think that's really important, you know, to kind of, I mean, Mm -hmm. you know. Good, bad. Yeah, you kind of want to look at things, especially as, as you know, from a creative standpoint, you know, it's not a polemic or a piece of propaganda, but it really is exploring, you know, these questions of, you know, what do you do? How far are you willing to go when kind of confronted with certain ethical or kind of social dilemmas and that's what these characters are all confronting but they're also confronting you know it in their own different ways and kind of each one of them is kind of finding their own where their own edge is or what they what they're willing to do or how far they're willing to go and so Hans you know is kind of wrestling with that in relation to these other characters around him who are a little bit more extreme and he's trying to find his own kind of moral path within that and still wanting to make you know the right choices as he goes forward and in that sense you know a a big theme of the story throughout the whole full graphic novel is you know the pen versus the sword and how how the you know the idea of because he's a journalist he's a journalist yeah yeah, and he's sort of an observer um and and uh you know documenting what's happening and observing what's happening and and his gift of having a photographic memory sort of makes him an asset um to the cause and really involves him deeper and then just there's being so much you could do with that with a photographic memory <laughs> well exactly and you know we want a storytelling to add, perspective is great. yeah it's it's one of those things where it's sort of that yeah the blessing and the curse and suddenly he's <laughs> this you know key asset to the to the movement yet the movement's kind of got its own agenda and he's really sort of a you know a, just a, a a piece in that bigger puzzle um so yeah he does have some ethical issues with with how this is all um, you know, you can really send, you can really see that now. Um, mm-hmm. So tomorrow we have a, a new panel. So yeah, it, it's sort of getting back to your roots, isn't it? When you were in high school, that's when you started doing strips, and now you're back mm-hmm. to doing strips. Although now it's sort of a modern thing. It's in color. It's released digitally. Yep. Yeah. I mean, we wanted to come back to our roots in comics. You know, we we went. Um, you know, we've we've always sort of straddled comics and film. Uh, Jakob really wanted to be a filmmaker at a young age. I, I, Arnold, sort of gravitated toward the comics, and we did them together really in, in high school for fun. Um, so, But by the time, you know, we graduated and sort of started to, you know, um, look at what our careers might be, we, we didn't really see, you know, ourselves as being collaborators. We really had two different interests. And so the fact that this opportunity kind of, you know, dropped on our lap at a young age with this book we did called Grendel. Um, and that sort of became a bit of a runaway cult hit at the yes. time. Um, it really sort of, you know, took us down this path. And, you know, we did a pretty good decade of, of these kind of indie comics and uh, really being able to have our own voice. Only press, and, dark horse image. Yeah, yeah. And, and so it was an amazing experience at a young age and to meet our heroes um, at a young age, people heroes, were, heroes such as well, such as <laughs> Bernie Wrightson, may he rest in peace. Yeah, for right, instance, Dave uh, Stevens, Dave Stevens, who was really kind of a mentor and really um, encouraged us to ink our own work and and push ourselves as illustrators. At the time we started out, we were just penciling, so you know, and as writers, um, and you know, so that kind of 
these incredible positive influences around us, you know, at a young age was kind of amazing. And um, people that are even behind the scenes, people like Bob Shrek and Diana Schutz that were our editors, they were also really encouraging. And so we, we just had these great kind of mentors. But then on the film side, we were, we were you know, Jakob was getting involved with like Gus Van Zandt's films and working on uh, private, My Own Private Idaho. And we were, you know, music videos and things of that nature. And we started to kind of do our own music videos. And, I watched you know. your sizzle reel, by the oh, way, okay. uh-huh. uh, today. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's some great Adidas bits there. Oh, yeah, and, yeah. We did. Uh, we, yeah, well, was it, we, we did a feature film um, kind of came out like 2010 called Selfless. Mm-hmm. And that... Um, really opened up a whole uh, commercial directing career here in Portland and so a number of projects that we did we did for Panasonic and LG and we did some projects uh, we did a project for Adidas As far as the comic book trajectory, you know, we ended up doing Batman, and then it was sort of like we kind of peaked out with that as far as like, okay, we've done Batman, that's great. And, <laughs> and that was when we sort of shifted over to like, okay, let's do a movie. We really have been wanting to do a movie, and we've been writing screenplays. Um, and we just thought, you know, this is the time. That was around, you know, 2007, eight, right in there. And then we, did, we made Selfless, and that opened up this whole sort of new dimension of being directors, producer-director team and that's really you know but of course the the whole industry was in kind of free fall during the uh when the economy was sort of in turmoil and um and it really affected indie film and we had to kind of wait it out and really you know sort of see where we could where we could take that and the commercial work did um you know come in for a period of time but even that sort of that sort of flat well, line that too, industry because, kind of yeah, is changing as well because so. a lot of the agencies were really having their own producers be become directors and really sort of kind of um, in-house do yeah sort of doing things, the in-house yeah. thing and so you know and just you saw saw a lot more of that as online diy types of you know projects kind of became the the, the new fashion and so we as far as like doing high-end directing and really you know, being able to run a crew, I mean, you, you know, there was just less and less of that for the kind of budgets there were. So we, we kind of thought, you know, instead of really chasing after this thing, that's really a byproduct of our passion, you know, I mean, obviously it's fun to do commercials and we we can do that, but we thought, you know, we get to get back to who, who we are and, and, and our core, which is comics, movies, storytellers, storytelling. And, uh, and so that's in a lot of ways why we we kind of came back to our comic book roots because so much had been invested in that already, um, and so we, and that kind of coincided also with the advent of this digital publishing platforms, and we kind of realized like God, there's a lot of our work that really you know is out of print, but we still have all of the original pages, and and um, so what we did is we started to go through our back catalog of work and re-digitize it and remaster it and start releasing it online and so a number of our books like Accelerate Tasty Bullets Secret Broadcast Secret Broadcast we have essentially re uh, remastered and begun publishing on our own uh, comics platform called Fuse Comics and so that's kind of 
our hub right now for self-publishing, digital publishing. Our, and we're actually currently our releasing Girl Fiend, which was our latest graphic novel for Dark Horse. Um, Did she take the Bolt bus to Seattle? It really looks like the Bolt bus. <laughs> what is that? The Bolt bus? The it's bolt like bus. a hipster oh. bus. It's oh, like yeah, a hipster high-speed like, bus. You know, it yeah. just kind of cruised I've through I've taken it myself. Town. This on page one. <laughs> I think what we did was we. Uh, okay. I had. To I don't know. know. Yeah, right. they're all they're all pulling on the bomb. It's right in the back because it's right by the bathrooms. Does it smell okay. very good? All right. Oh, she. Yeah. Is, this guy's already like you know had a night. It looks just like the ball bus, by the way. It's a well, luxury bus. Um, it's a straight shot. That to is a, that's the backstory that we'll, we'll have to we'll have to see about that. But. Uh, and they're all dead because she's a vampire, and she—it's—it's right. yes. it's a bloody massacre. But yeah, so Girl Fiend was our—that was actually originally a screenplay that we'd written, and we—you know, your first sh- graphic novel yeah. after ten years, yeah, and you back with a, a big book, yeah, a meaty th- project mm-hmm. that you can sink your teeth into, literally yep. and figuratively. Yep, yeah. we we wanted to to do something that was in a way in our skin and Girl Fiend was really kind of our it's, there's a lot of uh, us in it in terms of just the vibe really you guys cut yourselves one. with razor blades <laughs> well you like know we, we, it's more about the. it's more you know we, we don't mind kind 90s. of walking the walking the edge of the dark side I mean I think that that's kind of a fun place to to hang out and in, in when you're making <laughs> stories, I mean, you know, in real life it gets old, but um, yeah. but in, in when you're talking about characters that are sort of living outside the the mainstream or outside of conventions, that's where there's some pretty good good material. And that so we wanted to write a story about you know kids that are really have no business being together, being that one's immortal and one's a vampire, and, and right, and essentially it's it's a love story. It is a love story, and it's really a, a relationship story. It's about you know, two people trying to to make it work and make a go of it, and in this sort of operating in this irrational, you know, situation, um, and kind of how how you can make things that how how things can seem how, how suddenly rational, yeah, how things can suddenly seem normal that are really not normal when you're in love, and and we thought, you know, that this is the way to to tell that story. <laughs> What a great cathartic experience that must be to talk about your relationships. I'm sure you've infused your own experiences oh, yeah. within uh, the characters. Oh, sure. I, I, at the time, you know, this was written, you know, we were both in pretty serious relationships and that were in different, you know, different types of relationships. Yaku's was more in a domestic, domesticating mode, and I was living in L.A., and, and my relationship was a little crazier. And, you know, essentially you... I think at the core, you have to tap your your own experience. And yes. I think that that is, you know, you have to offer something new. And, and that's one thing, you know, when we were starting out and, and, you know, you look at The Dissident, or it was originally called Triple X. When we wrote that, that was really our first major writing project. And we kind of pulled a lot from, you know, genre, essentially, you know, Hitchcock and James Bond and, and you know, um, and you even were quite young like, when you wrote this thing. Y- yeah, we were pretty and young. And you're revisiting we were... mm-hmm. a book you wrote in your 20s, mm-hmm. and you guys are a bit older now. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, do you just sort of want to George Lucas the thing and add all extra extended scenes and well... unnecessary characters? <laughs> yeah, right. It's yeah. actually the opposite. We're sort of trimming things a little <laughs> here and there, but what we have oh, done. Your editor's hat's on. 
What's that? Yeah, put your editor's yeah. hats. We, we, earned, we earned our editor's hats. Well, we've we've kind of you know I, I guess my main point with with that was that the it was also biographical because we were sort of living in Europe and 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 dealing with kind of a we were in a political climate at the time. So it was this combination of using genre and then real life experience. And I think that when you're when you're writing anything, whether it's a screenplay or or, or you know in fiction, the in imbuing it with your own experience and your own say even your mistakes and and the things that you learned along the way add something to the conversation essentially and that's something we've tried to do in our in our adding to the conversation yeah and it's very relevant well hopefully you know i mean it's kind of you know people you know fiction is a great way to escape but it's also a way to kind of delve give give a sense that oh I, i other people are going through this too you know and there's a kind of the sense of a collective experience um, and that's what's exciting about publishing and, and popular culture in essence um, is is it is you're connecting in this collective in this collective way Grendel was a really potent project to very launch very, our yeah. career with, and it was mm-hmm. a, you know it was a, an amazing. The planets aligned. The, the planets aligned, <laughs> yeah. and then that period of time was really unique because it was this kind of a I don't know golden age of the creator owned comics where people were really you know publishers who were coming out saying we want you know to have the creators keep their own rights, we'll publish their works, and you know people were doing. Ex- Exploring more serious kinds of work in the comic book medium, so it wasn't really cartoons per se, but it was really, you know, personal stories, things that were very autobiographical. Mouse had come out around that time. Daniel Klaus, Daniel mm-hmm. Klaus, and, and the and Hernandez Joe brothers, Sarko, Hernandez brothers. Yeah. So there was right. a lot of really interesting storytelling and kind of personalized storytelling that arguably has influenced mainstream comics in a lot of you know in a lot of ways and and they've you know although there have been instances where those you know those big franchise characters do take on um you know riskier subjects like alcoholism or homosexuality or you know things like that it's i think indie comics have had a lot you know to do with the sort of um kind of proof of concept of like hey there is an audience for this there is there are the people that want to read comics that, that go into these areas, and it's it's helped lay the groundwork for some of those bigger characters to take on riskier you know, subjects. We did opt out as a way in which to kind of address the new technological environment because the book itself was written before social media was really kicking in and before a lot of this new kind of social technology was there. So we were like, let's... But the spirit of our character was really connected to, you know, even an archetype or character like Edward Snowden, you know, a kind of person that's out there trying to get the truth out and, and, you know, kind of being a whistleblower. And um, so, you know, as we wrote this new chapter, this prequel, we're going through and Arnold's actually been spending a lot of time combing through the dialogue and the and the, the adding a kind of a voiceover journal of our character into the original book so that the ideas and themes that we're introducing in the prequel will merge in oh, with I the see. original okay. narrative and right. we may uh, actually add pages that connect back to the 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 New York story so that we're 
really because we've set up a really potent story with this chapter zero that I think you're going to want to continue to feel connected to as you move into the story that happens in Amsterdam. I'm all in. I'm all in. Awesome. Awesome. Nice. Well, yeah, I mean, when we wrote the Amsterdam story, it was really only alluding. Which we've yet to discover on the dissident. Well, exactly. And, you know, and it's one of those comics, you know, admittedly, that's that's was practically rendered to obscurity you know uh it didn't do big numbers when it came out it was actually uh you know the timing was almost the opposite where we were whereas grendel was great timing when it came out as triple x it was right when you know spawn and and all the sort of image comics were blowing up and so they were like bringing the superhero genre back Mm -hmm. yeah yeah and so comics like ours that were really kind of thriving in this weird pocket and the kind of late 80s kind of eking into the early 90s were suddenly competing with the with the shelf space of of this massive onslaught of of uh of superhero comics that had a new sort of twist and and also a bit of an indie flavor in in a lot of ways so they were uh you know so we were suddenly and you know here we had a book with no nobody wearing spandex of any sort well actually that's not true the bad guys wear some some uh, they yeah yeah <laughs> they wear spandex never yeah. mind but uh, and they have jetpacks uh, but uh, the um, but you know really wasn't a superhero kind of genre book and it was black and white it's you an know, interesting up- way to roll out a, you know a prequel by offering it free every day well you know what we wanted to do as well is just embrace this new model and you know we've done a lot of you know you've done the traditional public you know publishing and release this is and um, but really what's happening now is all these new, you know, web comics, digital publishing platforms. And so we thought, well, why don't we look at this as almost a social media publication where we do this, not something that you wait, you know, months or years for, but we actually publish it daily, but do it in smaller units. And we pre, you know, colored and pre illustrated a whole bunch of this stuff. But now we're kind of dropping it every day. And it's it's a really different temperament. It's kind of a different uh just the discipline of doing it. The is discipline kind of is really is tr- is tough because we, you know, yeah, yeah, like Jakob said, we've got the ball rolling on the coloring phase, which was what that Kickstarter was intent intended to really focus around remastering and coloring, and um, you know, and that, and we took that to a point. However, we really felt that you know, um, in in the in the you know the the funding that we had was really not enough to do the, the the scale of this project and so we knew that this would be something that we would have to continue to to do over time so we are you know but you know with the full intention of honoring it so we thought you know to really do this right we're going to have to 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 kind of make it new again and make it fresh and and relevant and that's where this issue zero really <clears throat> came into focus and and kind of became the the tip of the spear of the project um and and the focus of of the you know what we're prioritizing um and in that sense it's it, it and it couldn't be more relevant than what than what, with what's going on right now so we're glad we've done it and and we've also been able to kind of like Jakob said work in this new model that is really about discovering a new audience and hopefully recapturing the audience that was there 20 years ago but we we also really need to kind of discover a new you know a new generation for this story um which again, issue zero really speaks so to, you, to that. You 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 did this. Was it just an idea? Hey, let's just do it. Let's just do one a day. 
Oh, let's do a Dick Tracy. It was basically it's a Dick Tracy strip. It was basically oh, oh the, 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 the you mean the issue zero idea? Or the, yeah, the daily... every day, every day. Every it, day. it was. I think we. Um, well, we you know what? It, no, know. you know what it was? Was it, we loved the idea, like the the theme of the newspaper, the daily right. newspaper, and yeah. so the notion of going. Oh well, why don't we get this URL and we'll call it the Dissident Daily? That sounds that sounds interesting. And, <laughs> and then it was like. But now we have to do it daily. Uh-oh. Yeah. Well, and I, I think, yeah, like anything, you know, in a perfect world, you have all this art in the queue, and you're just kind of like, you just press the button, and it and it pops up. I mean, but it's sort of like a, a fire line. It's just like you're trying to kind of, you know, it's catching up with you, or you're catching up with it, or, or what have you. So it's we're trying to kind of do, like, at least get a week to two weeks, you know, in the in the in the uh, queue, but it's a little it's a little <laughs> it's, crazy. It's a little and if we get through, our 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 goal right now is to get through issue zero. It's actually, you know, we're we're really in it now, and uh, and there's a palpability when you're sort of creating it this quickly and and what challenging, you know, very challenging. Uh, while we're also, you know, we we're freelance, so um, you know, we do film and commercials and pretty cool and, and I, art I, and, I love you doing you're rolling it out like this it's innovative thank you well hopefully it'll and i'm discovering it time. with no obligation and i'm i'm pulled into the storyline and i'm learning more about the panda brothers by the way i watched your oregon storyteller video you talk i want to touch on this real quick yeah. mm-hmm. um you guys connected with your family roots in amsterdam mm-hmm. your your uncle's studio yeah this sounded very interesting <laughs> the location despite by a red light yeah yeah so that yeah. was great because we we really landed in amsterdam at a you know we were in the middle of drawing grendel and we were able to kind of afford to go back to you know the country where we were born and we never really you know bonded with any of our family over there so but we immediately connected with our uncle arnold and there's this really great guy uncle arnold uncle arnold who i'm named after and uh he essentially was you know kind of amazed what we were already doing at, at a pretty young age and and we he was like yeah you should draw a comic over here and we were like yeah that'd be cool and we were we We've always loved the Tintin comics. We thought, you know, we were so, you know, like when you go somewhere yeah, it's new. A, it's it's just, a big European thing. Not so much over here. but Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. But it's, even so, like we were we were so amazed by the sort of old world. We thought, wouldn't it be cool if there were like flying cars in this old world scene? And, you know, sort of started getting these visions of what could be, uh, you know, a, a science fiction story in this old world, uh, you know, setting. So that was the, the early machinations and then we uh, for the uh, for the storyline but then we we thought well we gotta come up with this idea we gotta write this thing and, and our uncle you know Arnold he he said well you can use we have this part of the studio that I don't use and of where he worked and um, so we basically you know spent a, a good year playing tickets and playing tickets and just kind of you know you're, we were at that age where we could kind of just do do something crazy like that, and and yeah. um, and so we we sat and wrote and drew the thing, um, and uh, you know it was it was an amazing adventure. House music had just broken. It was like you know uh, eighty eight eighty nine. It was right in there, and and everything wow. was just banging. It was crazy, and uh, <laughs> we we were just sort of like uh, you know having an adventure. It was truly amazing, and so the making of of Triple X. Um, the dissident was really part of living, you know, li- yeah, living time. it. And, yeah. and we sort of wrote in characters like the sort of there's these junkies that get used for experiments, and we we kind of base them on 
these characters that came through this sort of the alley where we were where we were working and and you know a lot of this too we should mention in the comics we've been doing digitally we're we're kind of using this sort of transmedia model of cross pollinating with some of our media and uh, so say secret broadcast is about pirate radio and it, we have a soundtrack on um, iTunes uh, called Secret Broadcast Redux. In the case of uh, the dissident, we're um, because it's kind of a travel log of sorts. You know, you get to go to Amsterdam. It we're is. yeah, we're making the the story. We're kind of we we made the story with the actual locations. Um, yes, it's on the website. You can see where. Yeah, this. So now you can really Google at. map the where the yeah, story takes place. When it integrate technology yeah. into the, a daily strip. Exactly. Yeah. So those are the kind of things we've been trying to do in terms of innovation to make our comics sort of, you know, kind of go from the comic page and, and into this digital space and really take advantage of the digital space. Now, did you connect with the Dutch? You were born in Amsterdam, correct? Yeah, our dad, our mom is from Portland and our dad is from... Holland, right? And, and Very she, thick accent, your dad. He, he's, he's got it. He, <laughs> he keeps that accent. He likes that. Um, yeah. But I mean, well. so how would you characterize the Dutch? Do, do you feel Dutch? Do you feel well? You know, the sensibility so, of the folks. That, what was interesting is, so our grandmother was there, and the first time we went back as young adults, we walked into our grandmother's place, and the smell in her place was the exact same smell that our father's place had in Portland. Like, there was this kind of like, wow, we're on the other side, of, and it's like, it had to do with like, <laughs> it had to do with like flowers. <laughs> yeah, and like sort of kind of pungent flowers, you know. Flowers. There's, you know, fresh sort flowers of tradition were kind of dying, kind of dying and, and being painted and this thing, and it was and like, sort of like oil paint. And, well, yeah, and, and it was and like, just, there's a sort of like, yeah, this this richness that's old, this, it's, it's not even. It's just. It's just like Delft some, China. Is it? Yeah, there's a little. Delft. There's a little dusty Delft. Yeah. But, but it's it, kind of like there was uh, this. Uh, we had kind of grown up in this kind of <laughs> Dutch patina. Yeah, in, the in, old world. In, Our dad's world is very much like you know. You're in the 19th <laughs> century. You know, you're not. He doesn't. You know, he, he wants to keep it that way. You know, and uh, and so yeah, it was a very. You know, old world upbringing in a lot of ways with when we were with our father. Um, but and, you know, uh, do you feel torn between your Dutch heritage, your American? I mean, we're pretty American. I mean, like, I think yeah. the you know we we. But you can you can sort of like <laughs> embrace the Dutch culture, I, the the spirit of the Dutch. Well, what's really great about the Dutch culture is the the sort of the advancements they've made, you know, socially and, and progressive. Yeah. Well, you know, the banking, <laughs> I mean, they've really, a lot of, they're, they're definitely like, um, you know, have in terms of a society have sort of like always looked ahead and looked forward. Yes. And they and they're also, you know, below most of the countries below sea level. So there are also, there's this tension of with, with nature yet they work with nature and there's a kind of a the red an, light district. You well, there's that, that too. Yes. And that's, there. there's the red light district is, is, you know, has its own form of uh, progressiveness, I guess you could say. And so you're, you know, that's an, that's an old, uh, that's one of the oldest uh, professions, I, I guess, but you know, is it, you're, you're getting us entrapped here. You? You're, you're, I know what you're doing, <laughs> but you know, we, 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 I think for us when we went there, it was so amazing to just see the kind of freedom that they had there. But then over time, recognize the freedoms that we have here and the differences 
um, that that we really have in these two different cultures. And I, I think that it was it opened our eyes to what it is to really feel. Travel does that. Yeah, it does. It really does. I mean, it's it, it really exposed us to the idea of having, say, you know, a, a pride in your in your country, for instance. Um, politically. You know? and, um, Politically, this it's they're very they're experiencing sort of the same thing. Well, With yeah, goods. I mean, you see yeah. a lot of echoes. Yeah. Um, you know, we're we're interconnected. We're interconnected. You know, we're very far away from each other. These right. countries, but there's this, um, you know, this this connection between the fact that you know a lot of us come from Europe and 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 just in different countries altogether and and being immigrants and. Um, so that's a, that's an aspect of it, and of course they're very accepting of immigrants as well, and and they're dealing with their own issues as far it's as pretty heated. Yeah, I mean yeah. they've got they well, had their kind a, of. Uh, I mean, so t- much... t- was it Teo Van Gogh was was murdered. was his was he murdered he? by uh, you know, and it was a ex- Muslim extremist, and that was kind of their nine eleven, and it really kind of created um, you know. Their Division, own issues with individuals, with, yeah, with immigration, of. exactly. So, you know, they deal with it on their terms, but we, there are a lot of there are parallels um, with the issues we're all dealing with. Um, I would like to ask you just real quick about the uh, the scene here in Portland. Uh, you've worked with Joe Nosmack, right? Mm-hmm. Oni mm-hmm. Press, yeah, um, yeah. Image Comics, Dark Horse. Any comments on? On uh, the the explosion of of comics in the city, isn't Image moving? Yeah, Image yeah. Moving here. I mean, it's amazing. It's. I mean, we've. Does been that help here. you, or is that? Oh, I think so. I think. Okay, that's I think good. that there's a supportive environment. It's it it is a supportive environment, and it's. I mean, really, like what was interesting is when we did Grendel, and that was in the '80s. You know, the comic we were hired by a company out of Philadelphia. You know, outside of Philadelphia. And it was kind of around that time or so that Dark Horse started forming. And then Dark Horse really exploded. And many of the people that we were working with in Philadelphia ended up moving to Portland to work with Dark Horse. And Matt Wagner moved here and resettled. And, uh, and you know, over time, it's just been an amazing migration of writers just, and artists that have come kind of a, Yeah, it's a comic book town in a lot of ways yeah, now. Yeah. And, and so, you know, I... I you see companies like image moving here these bigger companies are moving here and uh you know i'm not sure i mean there's probably various reasons for it you know i mean sometimes like like com- competing companies move to the same place i don't know but i, I feel like the, at the end of the day there's just this hub of kind of a comic book zeitgeist that's happening here zeitgeist so, great word for it yes well i mean you know you you have this uh community really and they're they're Super passionate. They're really into it, and it you know, rains most of the year. It's so rains, so just stay indoors, yeah, and hang out, on, right? Drink you know, coffee, and things get done. But you know, we're you know we're kind of a, a different beast because we've uh, well, you know brothers had, for starters. Well, there's that. There's two of us, and we are <laughs> two, two different beast. people. But we also you know love making movies, and we want to make another movie, and we want to do other projects that are, that you know are. The exercise the storytelling itch, you know, but they're they're not always comic books. So, um, you know, we we sort of have our own way of doing it. And I think one of the the great things about the digital comics is it's allowed some of these other media's that we work in to interact with the comic books, and that to us is exciting and keeps it connected to our other interests, our other creative interests. I've opted in to the distant. Thank you so awesome. much. You guys are really 
Just nice guys. Well, thank you. You're nice, too. Well, thank you. <laughs> Portland is a nice city. It's full of it nice is. people. And, uh, yeah, doing great work. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thanks so much. You know, the worst is when it goes forward and then goes backward. That, that really pisses me off.